Okay, I'm going to try to do this and behave. Okay, first of all, I'm going to ask you a question. And here, the way you answer this question is really important. Uh, is why do you, when you come to church, why do you come to church? Do you come to get something from the Lord? Okay, is that why you come to church? Or do you come to church because you're supposed to come to church? Or, or do you just come to church because you feel like you're supposed to serve the church? So that's the question we all need to answer because we all should be coming to church to get something from the Lord. I literally believe that for all my heart. That's more important than anything else is that we become people who receive from the Lord, who get from the Lord. And so your church experience can dramatically uh, change or be dramatically miserable, uh, depending on that, how you answer that question. Uh, because if you're coming to really get what God has for you, you're going to probably get it. Or if you're just, but, you're, it, but if you don't have that attitude, if you don't have that intentional heart, it's just things are not going to work out so good for you. Uh, I was observing some things. Wednesday. We had just this slam Holy Ghost night Wednesday night. Don't y'all love Holy Ghost? Night? I just love when the Holy Ghost just comes in and just destroys everything. You know, I mean, just messes everything up. And but there were people in the room. Honestly, God could have been a million. God, God was like a million miles away from them, but He was right there. And I think a lot of it has to do with just us, is, you know, just people who just, they don't really know how to receive from the Lord. And that's one of the things that God wants to teach us, is how to receive from Him. Uh, there's a guy I know named Dan Duke, and he was in, uh, in, in Brazil for 15 years. Uh, and there's a, there's a major revival that's happened in Brazil over the last 15 years. In fact, so much of a major revival, here's some things that happened. He told me that he's gone through two where the economy totally collapsed in Brazil, where the banks completely shut down, and the money that they had in their hands was worthless. Okay? Went through that two times. Cause, so he said, I'm not afraid of the economy of collapse in the United States. I've been through it, got through it, and on the other side of it, and living on the lake. <laughs> he didn't say that part, but that's where he lives. Okay? But what he said about, the, you know, what he did then, he was a revivalist. He went all over that nation preaching revivals. And, and, and revival would be just, I mean, major revivals. In fact, I saw a picture, uh, somebody else shared it with me, at one of his meetings. And right in the meeting was a flame. There was a flame burning. Nobody, you know, it was literally uh, an angelic flame that came into the meeting. That's sort of what his... You know, he was really operating in signs and wonders and things. But, but what he told me about the church in the U.S. was this. He said he has found a lot of hunger in the church over here. You know, we tend to think we're not hungry for the Lord. You know, we have a harsher judgment on ourselves many times. But he says it's not a hunger problem in America. It's a knowing how to receive problem. Okay? Because a lot of people just do not know how to receive from the Lord. Okay, so, you know, God is very present many times and a lot of times. In fact, in our lives, God is very present, but we don't really know how to receive that. This is the scripture, uh, John 20, 20, verse 22 says, Jesus breathed on them and then said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So this is important. Jesus breathed and then he said, receive. And so Jesus has breathed, okay, Jesus is breathing right now on us, but we're not receiving it. We're not really getting it many times. We're missing what He's doing. So that's why He said to the disciples when He breathed, He didn't just breathe and like, oh, I hope you all get it. He said, no, receive the Holy Spirit. So it's something, you know, God does what He does, but there's something that, for us to be able to receive what He does. And, it's, and it takes an understanding to be able to receive from the Lord. Okay, that to be conscious and be intentional to be able to receive when God does something. And so that's why I'm saying when we come to church, we've we got to come in this mode of receiving something from the Lord. Or, or you will not know, you'll think that God's not there. Okay, you'll, you'll, in your mind, the Lord's not doing anything. The Lord's not present. Okay, because, we, you know, maybe we're 
one-dimensional in our receiving from the Lord. Um, Another thing I had happen to me was my son had a dream, and this is what he said. He said in the dream, no, no, I had a dream. My son came to me in the dream, and this is what he said to me. He said, Dad, I went to a children's meeting, and my life was changed by going to this children's meeting. I mean, I'll never be the same again. Okay, that's what he said to me. Then he said, don't waste your time doing anything else. That was the dream. Don't waste your time doing anything else. Well, my son needs the Lord to do something in his life, just being 100% honest with you. He needs God to really do something in his life. And I believe what the Lord was trying to tell me in the dream is that's what it's going to take is to go to children's meetings. And Wednesday night, it was like a children's meeting in here. That's what it was like. It was like a children's meeting. And if you were a child, you could receive what God was doing. You know, because lots of times God does stuff that's, you know, is below our dignity or is below us that God would do such a thing. Where really God's down there as a child and He's inviting us, you know, to come like that to Him. You know, I'm just telling you the secret to receiving. You know, is be like a child. You know, that's what Jesus even said that. And, you know, get around children. I like to be around children. And, you know, I don't want to take care of them. <laughs> you know, the diapers and all that stuff. And, you know, fussing at them and all that. I'm not into that. But I am into watching children play without them, without me being involved in it. Well, I had this day I had to keep my two grandchildren, okay, like for an afternoon. And it was one of the most spiritual things for me to be, because I listened to them play. I listened to their creativity. I listened to their imagination. I just listened to all the stuff that they were doing, and it just made me just want to grab a hold of God so bad because I realized here, this is the way God wants us to be. You know, this is how we can really enter into a whole other realm you know, in our lives by being like a child. And I realize, you know, their imagination is, is, has no limits on it. And they're, uh, they're not inhibited and they're not, you know, got all the things that we tend to, to get on, on us. And so God really wants us to be able to, to really have a childlike nature in us, to be able to really receive from Him and receive what He's doing. And, and it really can be confounding to us. Amen. Anyways, let me read this Ephesians anyways. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians 4. Uh, I want to read starting in verse 7. Mm. Lord, have mercy on us. All right, it says, but, but to each one grace was given. Verse 7. To each one. So you see, that's the breath of God. Grace was given. But how many people have received the grace? How many of us are really receiving that grace? See, the grace was given. The Lord has released the grace into the earth. He's released the grace to the people. Okay, but it's a matter of us embracing that grace and, and pulling that grace into our life. You know, Michelle Perry had a really profound message this Wednesday night. Uh, it was about, you know, get, your, get the grave clothes off and get the grace clothes on. It was what she preached on. And it was really a message that I've been trying to really get in my heart for over a year. I knew the Lord was trying to speak to me a year ago. I don't know if y'all remember this. I remember it real well. The Lord spoke to me, uh, the Master has come and is calling for you. Do y'all, anybody remember that? A couple of people do. Marcy does. <laughs> well, that was a profound word for me. But the problem was I could never bring it to a conclusion you know, sometimes God speaks to you, and you can't have a conclusion to it. It's like you can't, like it's like, you know, it's just like you know it's not done. It's, there's something lacking in it, you know. And I went after it hard, man. I mean, I meditated on that. I studied that. I just lived and chewed on all that. I got a lot of good stuff out of that story, but I never really got to the end of it. I couldn't conclude it. And... So I was talking to Michelle about how to use her iPad to 
get her, put her messages on it. You know, that's what I was saying. And she was looking at me with this blank look on her face like, I don't prepare for messages, Byron. So I don't put messages on iPads. <laughs> you know, I don't do that kind of stuff. I said, well, you would if you was a pastor. <laughs> but she asked the Lord what to speak on, and he said, John 11. And she said, okay. And she, when, while she was, as she was speaking, she said, I, didn't, I just read John 11, and whatever the Lord showed me at the moment, that's what I said. Yeah, it was real good. Because she was saying, I was getting that revelation at the same time you were getting it. I was listening, hearing myself say it for the first time. And, and it was, it all boiled down to this, that we're in a time where God is saying it's time to get these grave clothes off. It's really time to get them off of us. And it's really time to put, put on the grace clothes. You know, because God has offered to us grace clothes. And He's asking us to take these grave clothes off. You know, and He's, you know, in the story He actually told somebody, go get, unbind that man and let him, unbind him and let him loose. Well, we could preach that one, couldn't we? <laughs> loose that man and let him loose. <laughs> Well, the Lord really wants to do that for people. I really believe it. But we have to really receive it. I'm trying to stay calm, okay? So that was the grace part of it. Thank you, Lord, for that. So we're in a time of grace. We're in a, a moment where God is really saying to us is that He really wants to put the, the grace clothes on us. And it's really in our hearts and our minds is where, where it is. That's where those grace clothes are. And that's really where our grave clothes are, is our thinking. You know, our minds are bound up with stuff that's not right. In our, or in our hearts are bound up with stuff that's not right. And God is saying, let's get that stuff off. Get that stuff off of you. Man, Angel, you got such a nice smile. It's nice to look at people that are smiling at you instead of frowning at you. <laughs> I love nice smiles. Anyways, praise the Lord. I'm really trying to stay calm. I, feel, don't, I don't feel calm on the inside. Okay, here we go. Lord, thank you. Uh, each one was given... According to the measure of Christ's gift, therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. I had a dream last night about the cross. I've got to tell you this dream because it's really important. I saw the cross in a dream, and I saw that there's a vertical part of the cross and there's a horizontal part of the cross. Okay? The vertical is our upward call to, of God, our spiritual life. The horizontal is the part that we live on this earth. And God is really, the cross has enabled us to do both of those things. It is enabling us to access the heavenly realm, okay, while living on this earth and, how, and walking it out on this earth. And God is really calling us, and he was telling me in the dream somehow, it's not like I heard a voice, I just instinctively knew it. He was telling me that he, the cross covers us on this earth. It covers us when we're not doing well with either one of those, that the cross can cover you in your relationships. It can cover you on, on, the, on the life on the earth. But if we don't have that vertical part, if we don't have both, it's, it doesn't, the cross really doesn't, will not work in your life. Okay, and so it also speaks of, of, of another thing. It speaks of the lordship of Christ, okay, Christ, Jesus being Lord and being Savior. Okay, both those things speak of that, and God really wants to reveal himself in both ways, and we'll say something about that in a minute. Anyways, it says, uh, verse 9, Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But the, he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. Uh, he who... Descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill. Everybody say, fill all things. Now, this is the, really the thing that God is really trying to reveal to us, that, that God is looking for people who can receive from him on an ongoing basis, okay, that, that our lives are, is, is a life of overflow, that we are, God is calling us to live a life from overflow, Okay, and the only way you and I are going to ever live a life from overflow is to constantly be receiving from the Lord. There has to be a constant flow into your life of God, of Him constantly pouring into you. And so that's why I say when you come to the church, it, it should be to come to receive from God. It shouldn't be to come to serve or come just to be there. We really have to get our hearts where we are seeing that our greatest thing that we'll ever do in this life is to constantly receive from the Lord because the Lord's heart is to feel all things. He, he's got this thing in Him that He wants to look at the earth and see nothing but Himself. 
And when he looks at a person, he just wants to see this person. David had this revelation. He says, my cup runs over. Okay? That's what David said. My cup. David lived out of a life of overflow. He didn't live out of a life of trying to get something. He lived out of a life of something was already given, and he was just letting it flow out of his life. And so that's really where God wants to bring us. He wants to bring us into a revelation of being able to just walk in overflow. All right, so here's, but this is what's happened to most people. Or, and I think, it's, I think the church is consumed with a spirit of poverty. And you can, you can be wealthy and have a spirit of poverty. Because poverty is not just about money. Poverty is about a mindset. It's about a, a condition of your heart. Because Howard Hughes, back at one time, was one of the most wealthy men in the world in his day. And he was consumed with a spirit of poverty. He was worried about dying. He didn't want nobody touching him. You know, some, if he shook hands with somebody, he'd immediately go wash his hand. He was just full of, ate up, with, consumed with fear. And everything he did was from this place of lack. Okay, so really what the Lord wants to do is teach us, get us out of this place of lack and get us into this place of overflow. Because when a person who lives in a place of lack, you're not even going to believe that God wants to, to touch you and God wants to fill you. You see, that's part of the problem with living out of lack is there's this belief system that goes with it that God would never do that for me or God's not going to do that for me or that can't be God for me. Uh, one of the greatest things that ever happened to me was years ago in church. I want Marlon. I'm going to let Marlon be my demonstration here. He's a big, strong man. I was sitting in church with my arms folded. Fold your arms, Marlon. With this look on my... This look of... Uh, Will will see attitude. Marlon, give us a will will see. The skeptical will see attitude. Okay. I know, but you can act like it is, okay? You can do that. Act like you're well skeptical. You're skeptical. God was really moving that morning in the church, really powerful. And I was sitting in the back with my arms folded with this skeptical will see attitude on my face because that was what was in my heart because I was consumed by a spirit of poverty. Hang on now. So the preacher that morning who happened to be somebody I know pretty well, he looked at me, he walked back there to me, and he grabbed me, and he jerked me up. Byron, what is wrong with you? You think God is going to touch you like that? Unfold these arms, open your heart up, and receive from the Lord. He did that right in church in front of everybody. And I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't feel humiliated. It was a change. It was a moment of change in my life because, <laughs> because from that moment on, something happened to me. And I quit being a skeptical Christian. I quit being a Christian waiting on God to come and single me out because He did come and single me out. He grabbed me and said, What is wrong with you, Byron? I want to feel you. you this belongs to you like it does to everybody else. And you've got to start believing that way. And you've got to get out of this negative thinking that you're in. And it really changed my life. And that, from that point on, my heart shifted from just to, here I am, Lord, let me have that. I want to receive that. I want that. I'm going to go after that. I'm going to press into it. I'm going to grab hold of that. If it's there, I want it. And so I started learning how to do that over a period of time. I'm still learning how to do that. But one of the things about this poverty spirit that afflicts many Christians is it holds you back from really going after those things because you're so busy holding on to what you got. You're so concerned about that you're going to lose what you do have that you, it causes you to miss the apparent thing that God is doing. Uh, yes, sir. Let me read this Proverbs 11.25 to you. Are you Okay. Good. Thank you, Lord. Proverbs 11:25. This is really powerful. The Lord showing me this. Proverbs. This is a great. It says, "The generous soul shall be made rich." Okay. So what it says, "The generous soul shall be made rich." Now, don't go on the defense on me. Like, oh no, he's going to start talking about money and giving. Don't even throw that stuff off on me because I'm not going for that. Okay, and he who waters will also be watered himself. He who waters. Now listen, this is the key thing here. Those two words for water, what one's waters, one's watered, have two different complete meanings. 
in the original Hebrew language. The one for waters means the picture would be like somebody has a little flower garden and they're soaking it with water. They're just letting the water soak and soak and soak. Just making sure their flowers are watered and healthy. The word for watered, the person who's got the hose pipe, the meaning is this. He who waters will also himself be watered. That person, in other words, they are going to become a well themselves. They are going to become the source of the water that's watering the flowers. And so that's what God wants us to be. He wants us to become like a real source. A source. I'm telling you, God is calling the Christians in this world to be the source. Okay, where we have this water pouring out, or whatever it is, this flow, this overflow. That's what David said. My cup overflows. It's this pouring out, and there's not an end. There's not an end to it. I, there's no end to the well in me. I don't have to worry about when I see a need that I start calculating in my mind. Can I meet this need? Should I do this? You don't even think that way. You see a need like when the Lord sees a need, He releases what's in Him because He wasn't worried. You know, and that's really the thing that God began, has, has been trying to teach me and help me unlearn the thinking and the thoughts of poverty. Because you have to unlearn it. You can be delivered from the Spirit, but there's mindsets, there's thoughts in you that God wants to teach us and, you know, and unlearn those thoughts and think different. And, and we're the people who God really wants to release that to in this hour, to become, he who waters will himself become watered. Really, what happened first? The one who watered. That's what happened first. That was why he was able to water. Because he got this, he, got, he tapped into this well on the inside of him. And God's wanting us to tap into the well. Are y'all getting that? Well, here this is what Ephesians tells us. Let me read Ephesians 3. Are y'all okay? Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians 3, uh, this is the prayer. This will tell you how to do this now. Okay? Verse 16, that He would grant you according to the riches. Everybody say riches. See, God wants us to see this thing, that He's rich, but that's not enough. It's not enough for you to know that God's rich. I mean, that's like having a rich neighbor. Well, they're rich. Look at what they're doing over there. they got a swimming pool, and they're out there having a good time, and they're driving Mercedes, and they're eating steaks on the grill all the time. I'm over here driving a broke-down, used-up piece of junk car. I don't even have gas to put in the daggone thing. I'm eating these beans all the time. It ain't doing me no good for my neighbor to be rich. And a lot of Christians, we're like that with God. He's rich, but we're his family, and we're paupers in our minds. And it's keeping us from being, you know, tapping into the riches that he has. It really is. I'm telling you, I know this because I live this way. I know how poor people think. I grew up poor. I grew up in poverty. I lived around poverty people. So whenever somebody thinks poverty, I know it immediately because I was that. And I lived 50 years like that almost. And God is trying to set us free from living that way. There's nothing wrong. You know, everybody's down on the prosperity message. But the prosperity message is in the Bible. It's in the Bible. And we've got to start believing it. It says it. Just because some people abuse automobiles doesn't mean we, would, we quit driving them, right? We don't. And just because people abuse electricity, we don't quit using it. Well, people have abused the message. And we've thrown it out. But Third John 2, you know, beloved, I want you to prosper just as your soul prospers. That's what it says. In all things. And so God really wants us to be prosperous people. You know, because that's in the Bible. In every area of our life, God is looking for people who can prosper in this, in this earth and learn how to, you know, live from His prosperity and live, learn how to prosper and be prosperous how He lived. Okay? So, He's rich. We should tap into the riches of Christ. Okay. Um, somewhere in the... Where was I? Man. Anyways. Verse 16, yeah. That Christ... All right, now, according to the riches of glory, this is what He wants. To be strengthened with might... Through His Spirit, 
in the inner man. In other words, that, that means to be governed by the Holy Spirit in your soul. That's what it means, to be governed by the Holy Spirit. Remember what I go? I said there's, there's salvation and there's lordship. Right? And so a lot of Christians, I'm telling you this, a lot of Christians' lives, there's too much, the devil has too much access to them. And you've got to start wondering, why does the devil have so much access to these people? Why is he taking advantage of them? I think a lot of it may have to do with the lordship thing, the lack of lordship in their life. Okay? Because they're not allowing Christ to be the Lord. So the enemy has access because the Lord is not there to take care of the things that need to be taken care of in their life. Okay? Now, lordship is really important in the Bible. That's why they call Jesus Christ Lord. And so he wants, to, he wants to be in charge of you. He wants to govern your soul. And Paul was saying that, that Christ, that, that the Holy Spirit would be the governor inside of your soul. He would control you. He wants to control you. I don't care what anybody says. God wants to be in control. But it's for good. It's for wonder. It's for awesomeness. Okay? And then it goes on and says uh, that, that the Holy Spirit be in control and that Christ may dwell or manifest in your heart, that, the, that Jesus himself would manifest himself in your heart. Okay, that's the, the outcome, the manifestation of, of Jesus, you know, in your heart through faith. Okay, now here's what happens on the faith thing. Here's why people's faith fails them. It's because their heart's condemning them. Because when we do something we shouldn't do, your conscience starts telling you somebody's paying. Somebody's got to pay. Somebody's got to pay. Somebody's got to pay. Somebody's got to pay. And it tells you that. And if we don't really access the blood of Jesus, because Hebrews says the blood cleanses our heart from an evil conscience. It, it quiets that voice because the blood says, here's who's paying. The blood's paying. I'm paying. It's what Becky was been saying. You know, if you sum up the whole book of Romans, it sums up like this. The Jews didn't believe that they could have righteousness just by believing. And so they didn't get it. The Gentiles got it because, well, I'm going to believe it then. And, and they got it just by believing. that They were made righteous just by believing something. It really is awesome. And so that's really what happens to people is, is a lot of people's heart is condemned. They have this con con condemnation on the inside of them. They're being condemned. And the Bible tells us when you're condemned, your faith leaks right out onto the floor. You, your faith doesn't operate. And it's really the truth. That's what it says in Hebrews. You know, the blood of Jesus cleanses our heart from evil conscience. And therefore, your faith can work. But if, you're, if you have this condemnation, you, you're, you can forget your faith working. And so, really, that's how God really wants to help people in the arena of faith is get rid of that accusing voice. The blood of Jesus cleanses our heart from an evil. Yeah, only the blood. There's nothing else can. And you know what? Here's another thing. I'll just go about this blood thing. Is If the blood is not good enough for you, then something's wrong with you because you've placed yourself above God because God says the blood is sufficient. And if we're saying, if we're saying to God, well, I did something bad. Has anybody ever done this? I've done something bad and spent three or four days feeling condemned over it. Even after you've went to the Lord and confessed it and asked Him to cleanse it, but your mind is just still wearing you out. Anybody else do that besides me? And I'm thinking, this ain't right. The blood is sufficient. And that's what you No, I am standing on the blood. I'm standing on the cross. He has cleansed me. And so you voice inside me, you have to stop. Because if it's good enough for God, it's got to be good enough for me. I'm not going to place myself over, over the blood. And if you'll do that, that voice will stop. It'll have to. You're forcing it into. You're forcing it into submission. Are you okay? That's, I mean, that's, that will have a powerful impact on your life because then your faith can get activated and you can begin to operate in, in the faith realm, which means you can operate in the invisible realm. And that's why a lot of Christians are not seeing in the, in the invisible because their faith is not operating because they've got this evil conscience on them. They got this condemning heart. Yeah, I mean, so you know, if you're not seeing, you can ask the Lord about that. Amen. Well, anyways, everybody should know that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just messing with you.
Then it goes on and says, That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend. Comprehend means right there, it means to experience, to have personal experience. It doesn't mean comprehend from a mental perspective. It means have a personal experience of the love of Christ. To personally know in an experiential way that Jesus Christ loves you and that you feel love. Now, this is the secret to being filled with the fullness of God is knowing His love and always receiving His love instead of worrying about love. You know what? I'm going to tell you this. I know a lot of people don't believe this. But when Jesus said the, two, the law, the two things, the two most important ones was, was to love God and to love your neighbor, He was quoting the law there, the people who were under the law. That's not the most important thing. Okay? The most important thing is to know the love of God. The most important thing is to keep receiving it. It's not, I'm not making the one, here, my priority, you say, I'm going to try to love God. I'm going to try to love everybody else, the people I couldn't hardly stand being around. I'm going to try to love them. Okay, and I'm going to really try to love God when God makes no sense to me whatsoever. Because how, we were looking at this book out there when God doesn't make sense. You know, Dean was telling me, he read that book. I said, Dean, God never makes sense to me. Nothing he does make sense to me. I need to read that book because my life doesn't make sense. And, but, I mean, it's the truth. <laughs> Everything he does is like, what in the world, Lord? But what God wants to do is God wants people to get in this mode of being loved. That's how you live the overflow life is you get in this mode where you are pulling on the love of God all the time. You get in a situation where you feel insecure. Does anybody ever do that? You get in these situations where you just slam feel insecure. I was in a situation recently like that. I felt insecure bad, man. I was thinking, why am I feeling insecure? You know? And then, you know what, I decided, well, I don't care why I'm feeling insecure. This is what I'm going to do. Lord, I need you to just love on me right now. I'm going to just sit here and be loved out of this insecurity. Because I'm a son, and I don't have to feel insecure about anything. I can just get loved on I can get loved out of this thing. And sure enough, next thing I know, I was just on the floor just as drunk as a I mean the Holy Spirit drunk. Yeah. Not drinking. Drinking the Holy Spirit, the new wine. And being and just, just being loved by God. And then the people that I was being insecure about were over there just laying hands on me, praying for me, praying all these blessings on me. It's because I shifted away from myself and shifted just receiving love. And that's really what God wants us to do. That's how we that's how we get this overflow in life. Now listen, this is really good. So he says to comprehend with all the saints the, length, the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. That's just passing, which he's just talking about, talking about intellectual stuff. He's, he's not talking about that. He's talking about this is experience. This is power. This is real. This is something cool. This ain't talking about some message on love. It's talking about an experience of love. Okay? That's what Paul was talking about. Then he says that you may be what? Filled with all the fullness of God. That's the secret right there to being filled with the fullness of God. It's being filled with receiving love. That's what the overflow in life is. It's a life that you are full of love all the time. It's just flowing out of you. Right? I mean, that's the Bible. That's it just right there, read on the Bible. God wants us to be filled with love. All the time, and he wants us to go after love. Maybe I've said this too many much in the church. Um, sometimes you wonder, man. But we've got to. We, the Lord wants us to get this. He wants us to get people who are just magnets of blessings. That we are drawing blessings to us. You know, in the in the natural, a cornfield will draw rain because it releases moisture in the air, and the moisture up there sees the moisture down here. And it causes it to rain. People don't know that. That's why that song we sang, I don't know if we sang it in the second service, I got here late, about the desert. Have you ever wondered why the desert? Why did God create the desert? Because the desert is saying something to us. It's trying to tell the Christians, you need to be thirsty. You don't need to be like me. You don't need to be dry like me. So God created something in nature to tell us, be thirsty for God. Call on God. Pull on God. Be that person who attracts the rain. See, we can attract God to us. We can attract God's favor. We can attract the blessings of God to us. And God really wants us to do that. That's why He said, 
Now receive. He was blowing something out there. Is there anybody that's going to attract that thing, that air, that wind of heaven into their life? And we have to learn how to do that. But the poverty mindset will keep you from attracting the blessings of God. It really will. I'm just telling you, it will. I, trust me, I know. Now listen to what it says. Now to him who is able to do as exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Here's what I want to tell you this morning that's important. Is I don't know if you've noticed or not in your life, but I've noticed in my life a lot of things I was asking for, I've got. Okay? A lot of things I was asking for 10 years ago, I'm getting today. Okay? A lot of things. One of the things that's really important to me and Becky, we wanted a house with trees around it. Well, we were saying yesterday, these trees are getting really close to the house. We got so many trees, it's like a sanctuary. I can go sit on my porch, and it's a sanctuary. It's like being up in the mountains at a campsite. There's birds singing. You just go out and just be before the Lord. We got that because 10 years ago we asked for it. One time I said, Lord, I want to pastor a church I can walk to. I walked to church this morning. But here's what the problem is. We're not asking for enough. Okay? We're asking for way little. I'm thinking, what if, I, what if I were to ask God for something else ten years ago? But a poverty set mindset won't want you to ask for a lot. But right there, it says that God is an above and beyond what we can ask or think God. And He's saying, I want you to stretch out there and see if you can measure your asking against what I'm wanting to give you. And, but you won't be able to, but he has no problem. It's like I was here at the first circle. If you had wanted a job for, say, $75,000, and you were qualified, Lord, give me that $75,000 job. And God might be saying, why don't you ask for a $150,000 job? Okay? But no, I'd, I'd be happy with the $75,000 job. So you get your $75,000. And then this other old guy sitting back there who didn't know anything. He's just an old guy. You know, and he heard all that conversation between you and God, and he heard God say, there's a $150,000 job available if you want. Well, I'll take that $150,000 job. So that old sorry rascal who half-educated got fired from his last job. Here he is, got the $150,000 job. You see, God wants to challenge us and stretch us to begin to ask Him for things that are above and beyond what we would normally ask. Because he's above and beyond. And you can save and you can be against this kind of thinking. But God is rich. And he's looking for people who will say, we need to start tapping into some of those riches. Because they're just sitting up there in heaven. He's sitting up there on all these riches. And he's wondering if there's people on the earth who will tap into these riches. I tell you, Michelle is a person who's tapped into the riches of God. Because she told me, she said, I don't know how I'm doing what I'm doing. She's one-legged, okay? She's got one leg, and she lives in conditions that are deplorable, really. I mean, they're deplorable conditions. Half the time, she doesn't even have electricity. But she's got 120 children that are being saved, healed, and delivered. That's pretty powerful. That, to me, is living in an above and beyond life, especially for a one-legged person. I couldn't do what she was doing with two legs, you know? And she said she didn't like dirt and she didn't like kids. <laughs> and bugs. And she lives with bugs and dirts and kids. And see, God wants to really... You see, a lot of what He wants to do is put us in situations where we're doing stuff that we really don't know how we're doing it. You know? It's like, I don't know how I'm doing this, but somehow God is making this happen. You know? He's, he's doing it. It's, it's how it is. And so God really wants to draw people into this, but we're so consumed with this lack mentality. We're so consumed with our, what the world has taught us and what has been put on us that we are missing what God really wants to do. Um, one of the things uh, years ago and back in the days when they rebuked people in meetings publicly, they used to do that. If you said the wrong thing, you was going to get told in front of everybody. And so I'm just thankful they aren't doing that no more. Because like I said, I would be getting rebuked on a regular basis. I do get rebuked on a regular basis. I calculated I get rebuked at least nine times a day. <laughs> Becky rebukes me seven times. 
God rebukes me once, and then somebody else will rebuke me one time. So you know what's happening. You know, God has really got a few things, a little bit to say. Becky has a lot to say. <laughs> Unfortunately, she's right about a lot of it. Don't you just love that about your wife? No, that can't be right. You're wrong. You have a big argument with it, and a few days later you realize, I'm sorry, you were right. <laughs> that happens a lot, man. It seldom happens for me, but when it does, when I get those moments with Becky, you can bleed. I, I bleed it dry because <laughs> they're so seldom. But here's the thing. This is what happened. This was in a meeting. I don't know what was happening, but it was something about Lord fill our cup thing. That was sort of what was happening in this meeting. And there's a guy in there who's a very, very powerful guy, really. One awesome guy, really. And he said, Lord, fill my cup. And somebody prophesied and says, the Lord will not fill a half full cup. Empty your cup, brother, and the Lord will fill you. And I'm telling you what, you're talking about a... a Sword, a sword went into my heart at that moment because I realized I was pretty full of the world at that moment. And I was wanting God to fill me, and I was just full of everything else. I was full of all kinds of other thoughts, all kinds of other feelings, everything. I wasn't really. I was, and I was wanting God to fill me that night. Fill me up, Lord. Come on, fill me up. And I was so full already on something else. And, and uh, I realized that God really does want us to, if we're going to come into this lifestyle of overflow, we have to, be, we have to allow ourselves to be emptied. Okay, we have to allow God to empty you. And one of the things that, I, that caught me recently, God really caught me recently. I'm going to tell him myself. It was on a Wednesday night, and I was really having a really good Wednesday night with the Lord really releasing revelation to me, and I was doing stuff, and the Lord was really, you know, you're blessed when you do something, and God sort of is on it, you know, confirms it. That was God. That was the Word, and God was touching people because of what you were doing. I mean, that's a good night, right? That's a good any time when God's doing that. And so I was just having a big old time in the Lord. And then this thought came into my mind, and I heard the Lord say, Get up and say this. And then I said to the, and then I said to the Lord unthinkingly, well, That's not what that Scripture means, Lord. <laughs> and at that moment, I knew that God had trapped me. Because I realized that moment, oh my gosh, I'm telling the person who wrote the Bible what something means in the Bible. And I thought, oh, gosh, I was caught. I was caught. Because I thought, I knew so. That don't, that don't mean that, Lord. I mean, I had my little theology on that verse. And, you know, I realized that night, you know what? What I think I know, I've got to pour out. What I think, you know, look at Sue Rube sitting there. You've never sat there. Everybody give Sue a hand. She made it to church. She said it was hard for her to come to church today by herself for the first time, but, you know, there's grace, 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 see. But lots of times we need to empty ourselves, and that's one of the things I realized in my life. I've got to empty myself what I think I know the Bible says. I've got to empty myself if I really want to know what it says, you know? And I think that's one thing God's calling people to do is empty Empty their lives of stuff. And begin to empty what you think you know because you're never going to really go to the children's meeting if you don't. The children's meeting is going to offend you. It's going to make you, it's going to upset you when you see it. And when you hear it, it's going to be upsetting to you. And you're going to be offended. And you're going to find that that's where God's at. He's in the children's meeting. Okay? And you've got to get low to get into a child's meeting. You've got to get down there where they're at on their level. And I, and I think that's really important. Are y'all okay? All right, we're about done here. Uh, yeah, you know what? I think I'm just going to stop because... Yeah, Becky says I'm done. <laughs> See? There you go. Yeah, I think so. You better stop. <laughs> All right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go through deliverance right now. Okay, right here. Everybody, we're going we're gonna to deliver ourselves from a spirit of poverty. Okay? We're going to get rid of a spirit of poverty. Now, here's how... The, biblically, this is how you, how you do deliverance, basically. is one, you confess... Okay? You confess that you have it. You have to buy the truth, okay? Two, you, you ask the Lord to forgive you for, for that. And then you renounce that spirit in your life. You just renounce it. No more of that. Then you, throw, you tell it to leave. You force it out. Because once you, once you take away the enemy's ground, his legal ground in your life, by the blood, by confession, 
then he does not have a right to stay. Then you can start taking authority over this thing. And then the last step, this is all, you know, basically what you do. Then the last step is you invite the Holy Spirit into those places. Okay? Now, that, I want to just say this. That doesn't mean you're going to instantly be thin. Well, it could. You could instantly. Some people, that does happen to instantly. But a lot of people, you know, it's a process of getting, those, moving, getting that stuff out of your mind. The Spirit's gone. You still have these bad think, thoughts that you had to deal with. You have this, this, and that's where you start just moving those thoughts out of, out, of your, out of your mind. Amen? And so if we'll do that, see, we can begin to get this, uh, this thing called being a well and living from a well within you, living from an overflow in you. That's really how God designed us to live. So let's just stand up and let's really do this and ask the Lord to help us do this. Because the Lord came, it says He took captive captivity. Okay, did you catch that? He took captive captivity. He captured what captured us. He broke what captured us. He delivered us from the things that hold us into bondage. He took captive captivity. So we had to start believing these things and really begin to lay hold of them. So, Father, right now, I want you to think, just, I want you to just, if you feel like you've been influenced by a poverty spirit, I want you to confess it to the Lord between you and the Lord. You know, and just come tell him that you're sorry. Lord, we're just calling. We're coming to you right now. Lord, and we're going to get free in this room this morning of a poverty spirit. We're going to get, this church is going to get free of that poverty spirit that says there's not going to be enough, that if we don't do what's right and if we don't take care of things, we're going to be left out there desolate. Lord, we're going to break the power of that kind of thinking and begin to see what David saw. David saw a life that overflowed. He saw a shepherd that walked him through bad times and protected him and kept him on the path. That's what David saw. And he said, he will get me through that moment. Then he's going to anoint me and get those bugs out of my mind. And he's going to take me. He's going to fill my cup. He's going to fill it. 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 And it's going to overflow. And I'm going to live an overflowing life. And, and every time I look behind me, I'm not going to look with regret. I'm not going to look with horror. I'm going to see goodness and mercy right there on my heels. Now, that's what God wants to do for people. And if he did it for David in the old, how much more will he do it for you and I in the new? So, Father, right now, we just confess to you that we've had a poverty spirit. We ask you, Lord, I confess it. Lord, I lived under it, Lord. And I'm saying no more. I say no more. Lord, I'm sorry I entertained it. I'm sorry I believed the lies. I'm sorry I believed all the doctrines that were associated with a, a spirit of lack. I'm sorry, Lord. I ask you to forgive me. Just wash me. Wash my mind today. A basing, an understanding of the Bible that really comes from a poverty spirit. And basing my understanding of my finances, my time, my talent, everything about me, Lord, that comes from a poverty spirit. I just ask you to forgive me. And I renounce the poverty spirit. I renounce it. I renounce it. I tell you, I hate you. I tell you, you're ugly. I tell you, you stink. I say, you don't belong in my life. You're not from God. You're a filthy thing. You're from, from, the, from the pit of hell. And I tell you, get out of my life. You have no more authority over me. You have no more power over me. I tell you to go, go, go. I rebuke. I just, I can't stand you. You know, in the Bible, when the, in the New Testament says, Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit. You know, really, what he, he wasn't saying, I rebuke you. People think that. And I guess it's okay to say that. But really, he was saying, you're nasty. You stink. That's what he was saying. You're nasty. You stink. And those devils are full of pride. I'm telling you, devils are full of pride. And when you tell them stuff like that, they don't like to hear it. They'll, they'll go. That's why he was saying when he rebuked, get out. Y'all stink, man. Y'all are nasty. You are from the pit of hell. You don't belong in the people of God. So you just go on and go away in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We break your power today in Jesus' name. Break your power over us. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Heal. Heal our thoughts. Heal our hearts. We're just saying, you're the teacher, Holy Spirit. You're like a good mama who teaches a child how to live their life. Who teaches a child how to think. 
teaches a child how to relate to other people. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come do that. Come teach us how to live from an overflowing life, how to receive, how to receive, how to be a receivers of love, how to be a receivers of passion, how to be receivers of mercy, how to be receivers of forgiveness, how to be receivers of joy. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come right now and release that into us. Teach us, teach us, and convict us, convict us. Now, I'm going to tell you something about the overflowing life. Okay? This is really important. That verse came after Paul said, Pray that you would be governed by the Spirit and the inner man. See, that's where we miss a lot of times. See, we've got to allow that government to come. That's the Lordship. Okay? If, if, if we're not allowing Lordship... That's where we mess up. We don't allow him to... If we're saying, come and rule me, which means he's going to take care of me. And because he's ruling me, then I can access the heavenly realm because of his rule. Okay? When we say... See, that's what we got to do. we got to let him be Lord of our lives. Okay? We... we and God really wants... Do y'all get that? That's really important. That's, I think that's where we go wrong on all of things is we've not allowed the, his lordship to come forth. So let's just invite Him to be our Lord. Just say, Lord, I want You to be my Lord. Yeah. Lord, we ask You for the government of God to come into our hearts today. Come into our soul. I'm asking You to, Lord. I'm personally inviting You. I'm saying to You, I want You to control me. I want You to be my governor. Yeah. Strengthen me in the inner man. All right, this is one thing to understand about when God governs you. It doesn't mean you're a robot or you're a puppet on a string. Here's what it means. God's just going to tell you what's right or wrong, but here's what He's going to say. He's got 958 choices, too. Hey, you want to do something? What do you want to do with your life? He'll ask you. You, wanna, you know how kids, kids play? They play doctor, play whatever, play, you know, cowboys. You want to be a cowboy? You can be a cowboy. You want to you wanna be a fireman? You can be a fireman. You want to be a nurse? You, you can be a nurse. You want to be a daughter? You, can, you see, that's what he does. He doesn't say, all right, you've got to marry this person. You've got to do this. You've got to go to this place. You, that ain't really the truth. It's really not. When he becomes the governor, he gives choices. Because what is it? The wide open spaces of grace. Okay? And so you're living in a land of, of, of plenty. You're living in a land of choices that he allows, he gives to you. You see, that's part of, part of that poverty mindset. People worried about they're going to marry the wrong person. Well, if you're living and Jesus is the Lord of your life, you don't have to be concerned about that because He's going to check you. You'll feel a check in your heart and you'll know, oh, I better not mess with that girl. You know, that's not, that's not who Jesus has for me. You know, He'll show me the ones and then there'll be four or five others. He'll say, which one do you want? I, if you're a man, this is what he could do. I'm serious. There's three girls. I had three girls I picked from. Okay, I'm telling you the truth. This is the living truth. There were three girls, and I made a choice, and I chose right. I chose Becky out of three girls. I'm serious. I made, but he gave me the choice. It wasn't like, well, you've got to pick her. He said, well, there's three girls. Which one would you like to be introduced to? I said, well, I think Becky's the one I want. Okay. So you can trust the Lord to do that. Y'all, I'm serious. That's the way God is. It's not like we think He's a taskmaster and everything, one step's got to be perfect in front of the other. That's not who He is. Are y'all getting this? You can pick and choose. And if you happen to pick the wrong thing, you know what He'll do? Oh, baby, I ain't, I'm not going to help you do that, baby. Yeah, he's going to shut the door. I'm not going to help you do that, baby. I'm not going to help you do something that's going to mess you up. I'm going to help you do something that's going to make you alive and rich and blessed in your life. Just reach your hands to heaven right now. Just receive that kind of revelation of God the Father, that he's kind and generous and wants you to know that, that we don't have to live under religion. We don't have to live under rules. We don't have to live under all that. Here's the rule. Jesus, come and govern my heart. Jesus, come and live in my heart. Jesus, come and be my Lord. That's the rule of life I want, Lord. I want that rule. I want to live like that. I believe if you're inside of me, alive in me, govern me, I can't help but be prosperous. I can't help that favor will follow me everywhere I go because you're in me. And, and like love, like the angels will come 
the Holy Spirit will come because they're going to see. They're going to see what they see in heaven. They're going to see it. Jesus, let me just say this. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 13. To he who has, more will be given. That's the rule of heaven. When God looks and sees heaven, when he looks and receives the Spirit, guess what's coming? More. The angels look at it like, good Lord, look at that. There's the Lord. We've got to get to that person. That's the rule. Jesus told his, this is what he told his disciples. Hey, when you go, when you go to a house, if there's a man of peace there, then your peace will go to them. Okay? But if there's no man of peace there, it'll come back to you. Okay? Because in the spirit world, the peace ceases. There's peace. Oh, let's jump on peace. Well, there's no peace there. So it just comes back. Do y'all see this? So God is saying, the more you have, the more you're going to get. That's an overflowing life. Now ask the Lord. Say, Lord, I want more. I want more, Lord. Lord, I want an overflowing life, Lord. I don't have enough. What? I don't have enough money. I don't have enough of the Holy Spirit. I don't have enough visitations. I don't have enough encounters. I don't have enough friends. I don't have enough to do what you call me to do. I'm just lacking a bunch of stuff. And I'm saying, Lord, give me more today. Give me more. Give me more thoughts. Give me more ideals. Give me more creativity. Give me more uh, love to, to really release that into the earth. Just give me more, God. God wants to make you into blessings magnets. Where blessings look at you and just run to you. And I'm telling you, this is what the gospel is. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing right now. We're just going to receive it right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Can you wait just about a minute for the Lord? Just let the Lord just minister to you for a minute. Just want to pray this prayer. I felt like the Lord told me today he was going to open blind eyes. And I feel like he's opening the eyes of our hearts this morning. So if you would just receive that now, Lord, we just ask you right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would open these spiritual eyes, these blind, these eyes that have been blind in this heart, Lord, that we've not really believed what you have for us, God. So we ask you right now, eyes open, blind eyes open now in Jesus' name. And we thank you for that, Lord, that these are not natural eyes, but these are spiritual eyes, heart eyes. Heart eyes open now, now. And we thank you, Lord, that when we leave here today, that we're not going to be the same, that we will have blinded eyes opened, Lord, so we can see now. We can see it, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just ask you that we will go out of here with confidence now and aggressiveness into what you've called for us to live in, to have, to be. Lord, we ask you for that, that spiritual confidence and aggression to go after these things now, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And understanding. Okay, woo, yeah, the understanding. Oh, yeah, that's it right there, the understanding. Mm, I'm feeling that one. Understanding. Let that come forth now. Understanding. Whoa. Understanding. Come forth now. Understanding. Come forth. Ho. Whoa. Ho. Whoa. Mm. Whoa. Ah, yeah. Ha. Woo. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Oh, I felt that way. Thank you, Lord. That's good. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Woo. Ha. Yeah. Woo. More. More of that understanding. Oh, yeah. Ho. Ho. Oh, this is, see, that's moving from the head to the heart. Woo. Understanding. Oh, release. Mm. <laughs> good. Oh, yeah. Good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. 
Jesus. Be blessed. Go in the favor of the Lord. Just be blessed, 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 blessed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Just blessed and you're rising and the sun going down on you. Everything blessed. Head to toe blessed. Everything blessed. Everything. Everything blessed. Blessed. Blessed.